Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Wednesday, October 13th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs, again, gave us a, a couple of thrilling moments last night, a couple of pretty much uh, expected moments, and, and the White Sox are out of the, uh, out of the postseason now, so uh, everybody can breathe easy, I guess, here in Cleveland. Uh, the, the Astros eliminating uh, Tony La Russa and his White Sox uh, convincingly last night, uh, it, it, it just looked like, uh, you know, Larusa had an opportunity there, uh, to, you know, force a game five, uh, couldn't come through. And a lot of people questioning his decisions, particularly leaving Carlos Rodon in to face, uh, Carlos Correa with the bases loaded in the, uh, I believe it was fifth inning. Uh, Correa gets a, a, a two run, uh, hit to, to left field and really just sort of breaks the game open. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on, on, on the way that series played out and just what, what we expected in terms of the, the Astros and the, the White Sox coming down to the end there? Yeah, I think number one, Joe, I think the Astros are better than people think they are. You know, they lost a lot of people uh, through free agency, but that the core of that team is still, Still a really good team, and uh, you know, I, I was I was glad that the the White Sox won a game in that series just to make it a series, and and uh, it looked like the White Sox fans were into it, you know. So that that was good to see, um, you know. But uh, I th- I just think the the White I mean the Astros are underrated, uh, and uh, what they've been to five straight ALCSs now. I mm-hmm. mean that's. That doesn't happen by accident. And, uh, yeah. you know, that core of that club is Altuve, Bregman's back, Correa, like you were talking about. They, they've got, the, you know, their prospect is up there. And Kyle Tucker, he hit a couple home runs, big hits, you know, that tall kid. So, you know, they keep producing. And, you know, as, as bad a taste as, as they've left in baseball's mouth with, uh, you know, the cheating scandals and, and the thing, you know, they, they really didn't get punished, at least player-wise, they didn't get punished. Uh, that's still a pretty good ball club, and it's still a formidable ball club. And, uh, you know, Tony La Russa probably, you know, left himself open for some for some second-guessing with, with Rodon. What do you think about it? Yeah, I, I just think you're at the point now where uh, in, in a playoff game, at least, 
and this goes back to Tito starting stuff like this back in, in 2016, where you're not going to see a starting pitcher really, uh, unless he's in cruise control, uh, facing a, a lineup for a third time in a game. Uh, managers are just are not into letting that happen anymore. Uh, so you were right. Yeah, I, I think LaRusso had gotten what he needed out of Rodon. And in that situation, he had Michael Kopech warming in the bullpen. And he didn't go to him, and and uh, Carlos Correa made him pay for it. Uh, I just questioned the the approach in that at bat, where you know it, in the previous at bat you had thrown Correa, you know, three breaking balls, and he had struck out. And in this at bat, you start him off with two fastballs down the middle of the plate. You know, he takes one, he swings through one, and then all of a sudden you throw him one up and in. And he clubs it to left field for two runs. And now the game is over after that point. Uh, you, you pretty much lost the game. So uh, I, I just, it's, I, I see La Russa, you know, wanting to stick with a veteran, wanting to stick with a guy there in that point. But, but really the, the trend in baseball now is to go get Kopech and get that out and, and, you know, live to fight another day. Yeah, and you know, especially in an in an elimination game, you know, the, the feelings can't get involved there. I mean, and and, and Larusa has always done that. I mean, he's always he's 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 had a quick hook in the in the postseason, but he didn't have it right there. You know, he the first sign of trouble, and maybe because their bullpen was overworked, I don't know. But and then at the end, uh, Brayo gets hit with a pitch, and uh, of course. <laughs> No, no totally LaRusso team can go quietly into the night. Right. He's got to right. accuse uh, the Astros of hit, hitting Abreu on purpose. You know, the, the Astros say, no, it didn't happen. So, you know, that, that, that's just another chapter, a couple more days of stories you can write if you're, if you're covering the White Sox in this series. Well, you know, LaRusso can look over at Ryan Tapera, his reliever, and, and probably, uh, you know, thank him for that, uh, <laughs> that whole dust up in that incident because, you know, if he keeps his mouth shut and doesn't acute, basically accuse the, the Astros of sign stealing in their two games at Minute Maid Park, then, uh, you know, maybe their best pit, their best hitter doesn't get, you know, plunked again. But uh, like we were talking before we, we started recording here, maybe maybe it is incumbent upon uh, Abreu at some point to, to move off the plate. He seems to be getting hit a lot lately, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and not just by the Indians who, who hit him quite often uh, in, in 2021. Yeah, and you know that's part of a you know a hitter's off. You know if you if a hitter is going to stand on the top of the plate, he's going to get hit. And those guys are armored up, so you know it still hurts. I'm, I'm sure it, yeah. it, it hurts to get hit by a 95 mile an hour fastball or whatever curveball, whatever off speed pitch. Uh, but that's part of his game. That's part of his on base percentage. You know wh where would Zimmer have been if if he didn't get hit by so many pitches this year? You know so. You know, it, it's part of it. And, uh, you know, I guess you, you've got to take the good with the bad with it. If you're going to if you're going to be a hitter and you're not going to you know, get out of the way. All right. All right. Well, we've uh, come to the point in uh, early early here in the offseason where uh, we're starting to dig to dig in uh, in a review of uh, Cleveland's 2021 season statistically and and looking at some of the performances there. Uh, we wanted to sort of hand out some our, our own version of some uh, postseason awards. Uh, we know that there will be a couple of players uh, up for awards. Uh, Emmanuel Classe, I would imagine, he was he was recently named uh, to MLB Pipeline's 
all-rookie team, uh, and Tristan McKenzie was the was on the second team. Uh, of course, you can check that out on MLB Pipeline. But for us, we want to uh, sort of look at the stats, look at the numbers, look at the performances, and just what we think. Um, you know, who's who's deserving of recognition here? Uh, Hoinsey, you gave out uh, grades to the hitters uh, in a post on, on Cleveland.com this morning. We'll go over some of those here uh, in a bit. Uh, you're, you're working on grades for the pitchers and the, the coaches in the front office uh, for later on this week. But uh, let's just start right from the top. Uh, we, we we're looking at the the best overall hitter uh, for the Indians in 2021. Uh, looking at uh, let's use a, a stat that, that that a lot of people use in terms of uh, just their all-around overall um, performance, uh, OPS. Uh, Jose Ramirez led the club, 839 OPS. Framil Reyes had an 846 OPS. And then it pretty much drops off after that. Ahmed Rosario, uh, after struggling the first couple of months uh, and, and turning it on later, had a 731 uh, OPS. Uh, just of those three candidates, uh, best overall hitter on the Cleveland Indians in 2021 in, in your estimation. Well, I think he's got to be Jose Ramirez, hands down, Joe. I think he, you know, he he did a little bit of everything on this club. Uh, you know, led the team in home runs, runs, RBIs, uh, OPS, uh, uh, stolen bases. You know, he he was he was Jose Ramirez. It was a Jose Ramirez season, and uh, not his best season batting average wise, but uh, certainly you know. When you look at the big picture, it was hard to ignore. And and I think with uh, you know in a category like this, you could name Jose Ramirez the, the top offensive performer in every category uh, down the line for the Indians right now. Just for the purposes of debate, we'll we'll throw out other names here. It's like LeBron James; you could give him the MVP every year uh, that he that he's healthy. I think uh, the same thing can be said for Jose Ramirez. Uh, I, I, while I liked a lot of the things that, that Fran Mill did this year, and he, he did spend some time on the injured list, uh, I, just a complete shock and surprise that Ahmed Rosario was able to turn in the offensive numbers that he did. Uh, his, in particular, his month of August was, was off the charts. But really, after he became the, the starting shortstop and settled in there, uh, his, his batting numbers and just his – value to the team you know shot up off the charts I, I I really don't know where Cleveland would have been in 2021 had Ahmed Rosario not sort of clicked into that lineup yeah definitely Joe they put him in uh, that number two spot around you know the middle of May that which coincided with him getting back into the shortstops spot when uh, Andres Jimenez was sent down and he just took off from there. Just a solid, solid season. Um, you know, probably probably his best career season, I would think. Not not maybe power wise, but uh, certainly overall. Uh, you know, just and he had a great, like you pointed out, a great second half. Uh, I don't know where he finished second in 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 the AL in hits maybe in, or, in, in the second half behind Starling Marte. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, yeah. behind. Uh, uh, the kid out in Seattle, the the young outfielder in Seattle, he was the the, yeah. the leader in hits in the second half. So, uh, yeah, like you said, it, just the overall uh, the 
the pop that he provided at the top of the lineup too. You know, he, it was at least somebody who could hit the ball hard. It might not have hit it out of the ballpark, but every time he was getting hard contact at the top of that lineup. And, and that was really the difference for uh, you know, those, those one through four hitters for Cleveland. And then what, what do you have? Six, four hit games, uh, six games of four or more hits. Just, it seemed like when he got two hits in a game, he, 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 he didn't stop there. He was, he was going through three, four, five. He was really an aggressive hitter and, and uh, you, you like the speed he gave he gave the Indians at the top of the lineup too. You know he he was always digging for doubles, a lot like uh, Ramirez in that respect. Big question uh, off the top, of, uh, just just out of nowhere here, uh, <laughs> with the way he performed hitting in the number two spot, and with Miles Straw now being the, the sort of penciled in as the leadoff hitter. Uh, if Ahmed Rosario is in the plans and is your starting opening day shortstop. Is he your number two hitter? Oh, boy. You know, you know, Tito always kind of, uh, you know, this is, you know, let's say Tito's coming back and it sure looks like he's coming back. But he always, you know, he likes to mess around with that lineup. He lo- and he doesn't like to tell anybody. You know, he likes to keep things kind of close to the vest throughout spring training. And, you know, he always says that, you know, you can watch, just watch the exhibition games and you'll get a, get a feel for it. But uh, and but and then he mixes the lineups up, so you never really, you know, you never you got catchers hitting lead off because they get they want to get extra at bats for the guy. But you know, I would think you know maybe he drops. I don't know. You know, I guess it depends who they get during the off season. But right now, I, I can't see how you take him out of the number two spot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We we tend to want to you know be comfortable and and not go with change, and and we saw that that top four in the lineup, you know, so often after a certain point that it, it just felt comfortable and, and sort of, you know, comforting. Uh, I, I, I don't think he wants to change things, but maybe he does. And, and who knows if, if it leads to a, be- a even better result, then, then maybe, maybe you go for it. Uh, yeah, you know, it, you remember when uh, they opened the season with uh, Cesar Hernandez hitting second, Mm-hmm. And it was because Hernandez didn't feel comfortable hitting leadoff. And finally they made the move when they put him in the leadoff spot. And I, I think they dropped Rosario to second, right? Or, right. or, or somehow actually they had, they had a, they had a bunch of different people hitting second while Hernandez was the leadoff hitter, but his power numbers then took off after that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so you, you never, I think that it, it'll go do we know does I think Rosario loved hitting second. I don't, I've never heard him complain about it, but the, the reason was that, that uh, Hernandez didn't like hitting leadoff is he didn't feel comfortable there until they kind of made the move. And then he had, right. you know, got himself traded to a, to a division winner. Right. All right. Uh, best power hitter in the lineup, uh, isolated power. The uh, Ramirez hit 272 Reyes 268. And Bobby Bradley, 265. So, uh, obviously, Reyes and Ramirez, probably your best power hitting, uh, you know, duo or combination. But, but what did you think of Bobby Bradley and the contribution he was able to make in, in whatever sample size that he was able to provide the Indians this year? You know, I, I really like Bradley. Um, I wish, you know, I think the, the Indians have to be kicking themselves the front office for, for not giving him the first base job right out of the gate on opening day. I'm still not sure why they did that. 
what their you know their attraction and connection was with uh, Jake Bowers, but uh, I think if Bradley had, had played you know 150 games, 140 games, we're looking at a 30 homer guy, a 25 to 30 homer guy. You know, yes, he's going to strike out a lot. He's he's got a contact problem. He's I think he struck out over 40 percent of the time. But I think if you can live with that. If a guy is going to hit 40, I mean, if he's going to hit 25 to 35 home runs and drive in, you know, let's say 80 to 90, you know, runs, RBIs, if he's going to, you can live with that high strikeout percentage. And right now it looks like Bradley is that kind of player. Yeah. And he's really one of the only prospects or, you know, young players in the, in the organization, uh, you know, beyond Framil who has that sort of pop and that, that ability to hit a ball, you know, 450 feet every time he comes up to the plate. Uh, it was encouraging to see him drive the ball to left field as much as he did this year. And it happened quite often, uh, even just uh, against the shift and, and hitting sharp ground balls to left, to the left side. Uh, it, it became a little more common when he did put the ball in play. He was, he was pretty good. He was pretty solid. And his, his defense at first base improved throughout the season. Yeah, definitely. I thought he was, he was, you know, better than advertised at, at first base. And, you know, Reyes, I don't, you know, with Reyes, I, I love the, this guy. And I love the fact that he's not an all or nothing uh, hitter. Joe, I think, you know, he still hits for a decent average. And I don't think we've seen the best out of him. I really don't. I think this is a guy that, that one day might hit, you know, th- uh, 40 home runs, you know, or, or maybe more than that. I know that you don't like to put expectations on guys, but he certainly has the swing and, and, you know, the body for it. And I think we we just need to see him have a full 162 game season where where he can stay healthy and, and just swing the bat. Okay. Going to uh, skip a couple of these uh, that we had listed here just to uh, just sort of, you know, brush over them, mention them uh, briefly. Uh, best run producer, Jose Ramirez, had a 137 uh, weighted runs created plus. That's uh, in relation to the league average 100. So he was at 137. That's uh, that's pretty solid. Uh, Framo Reyes up there at 120. Uh, I'm sorry, 125. And Miles Straw, uh, the only other you know regular for the Indians, up over 100. So everybody else was below league average. Med Rosario checked in at 99 uh, in, in terms of just the ability to to get on base, create, and, and produce runs. And runners in scoring position, Ahmed Rosario, 323. Uh, Jose Ramirez, 303. And Miles Straw at 217. So those, those were the top clutch hitters. I think Harold Ramirez uh, might have been up there a little higher, but he wasn't a qualified hitter by the end of the year. Yeah, he, he did a nice job. and I, I, I don't know how, how much he can play this guy, but... Uh, you know, because you can't, he's a little yeah, dangerous in the, in the outfield. outfield. Yeah, and, and you already got a DH, so I'm not sure what you do with Harold. Uh, as far as base running goes, uh, best base runner, according to the uh, baseballreference.com uh, base running metric, Jose Ramirez, uh, 6.3, uh, you know, runs above average or, or, or whatever for um, your, your base running. Miles Straw at 2.9 and Oscar Mercado at 2.7. Just that disparity there uh, just shows you how much how much of an elite base runner Jose Ramirez is. Yeah, I mean, and 
he like he's like a, he's got a gambler's heart, Joe. And and but I don't <laughs> think it's it's a gambler. You know, I think he, you know, he's got that 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 computer and that baseball computer between his ears, and that that he knows the angles. He knows when to you know take a chance and and just when to stretch and when to not to. He's 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 just it's just a lot. He's a lot of fun to watch watch on the bases. I mean, he's so aggressive. All right, let's take a look uh, on the pitching side. Just a few categories that we'll sweep through here real quick. Uh, best stuff, and I guess uh, we use um, batting average on balls in play. So if a, a, a pitcher is, uh, you know, pitching to contact and, you know, how are, are, are the, is the opposition, you know, putting his, his pitches in play? Uh, Tristan McKenzie had an excellent batting average on balls in play, 227 when uh, opposing hitters put the ball in play. Aaron Savali, 249, Cal Quantrill, 267. Uh, you know, just it just goes to show you that these young guys, uh, McKenzie and Quantrill in particular, their stuff will play at the major league level. Yeah, and, you know, McKenzie, that, that's a surprise. You know, I was surprised. I mean, he, he led the team in strikeouts, led the team in walks, and, uh, you know, just straight batting average against. They only hit 190 against him. This guy... He never, he never got into trouble that much trouble by, you know, the opposing guys, the opposing team putting the bat on the ball. It was, it was usually kind of, you know, he walked too many people and, 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 you know, got into trouble that way. Yeah, it was all self-inflicted, I guess. Uh, and, and you could tell Quantrill is still a kid who's learning and working through things. But if he cleans up, you know, some of those innings where he has to throw 20, 25 pitches and, and sort of learns to be more efficient that way. Uh, you, he's he's in a good position moving forward as well. Uh, in terms of batting average on balls in play for a reliever, uh, James Karinchak, 228, Emmanuel Class A, 262, and Nick Sandlin, 271. Class A really, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't put the ball in play against him. Or they, actually, they put the ball in play against Class A a lot more than you would think, but it was just, you know, weak ground balls and, and yeah. fly balls because, because he's throwing 100 – uh, Terry Francona says 100 mile an hour bowling balls. Yeah, yeah. And he, th those guys that throw that hard, Joe, they give up those funky hits, you know, and that, that kind of squib down to the baselines and end up being singles or, you know, the balls that, that hit, get hit less than 80 feet and, and just cause a lot of trouble. And it seemed like that happened a lot with Class A, you know, especially in the first half of the season. Right. Uh, that's, uh, Best starting pitcher when you need a strikeout, uh, Shane Bieber, 33.1% uh, strikeout rate. Uh, he struck out 33% of the hitters he faced this year. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, again, like you said, led the team in strikeouts. He was at 27.3%. Uh, Eli Morgan, 21.4% strikeout rate. And uh, Cal Quantrill, 20% strikeouts. So, uh, again, the, you know, Three of the top four pitchers in, in starters uh, strikeout rate were the, the young guys who, you know, pretty much weren't uh, in the starting rotation at the beginning of the season. Uh, Bieber, you would expect the, the cartoon numbers there as well. Yeah, and, and Bieber was, I think, only maybe two strikeouts behind McKenzie, and he threw, you know, only didn't throw 100 innings. So, you know, that guy, he, he, he can strike you out for sure, definitely. Didn't pitch for three and a half months. There you go. Yeah, uh, best best strikeout rate for relievers. Uh, Nick Sandlin actually had the highest strikeout rate for relief pitchers, uh, thirty four percent. Losing him 
you know, really did sort of hurt down the, down the stretch there. Yeah. You know, their, their ERA jumped up in uh, uh, September and October, the bullpen's ERA after a good August. And I think one of the reasons was they didn't have that matchup guy with Sandlin to come in and, you know, and, and, and get right-handers out and even some left-handers because, you know, he's, he's got that, that funky motion and the, you know, the sidearm release point, uh, just a mm -hmm. difficult guy to pick up for, for right-handed hitters. Uh, best command, uh, Zach Plesak with a 5.7% walk rate. Uh, you know, he, he's a, he's a guy who won't, won't walk a, a, a batter. He will, he will give you something over the plate. Uh, and, and really that it did sort of, you know, bite him a little bit this year. Uh, Emmanuel class a also with a 5.7 walk rate, Eli Morgan, 5.8. And as you would expect, Aaron Savali pretty low at 6.2% walk rate. Yeah. Uh, you know, Plesak was an interesting case this year. I thought, uh, you know, he didn't strike. I think he only struck out 100 guys, maybe a 6.3, you know, strikeout per nine. Yeah, strikeout per down. And, but his, his walk rate was like 2.1, you know, strike uh, walks per nine. So, you know, he, he really, he seemed to be grinding through the whole season to me, Joe. I mean, he, you know, he, like you said, he wouldn't give, he doesn't give up the walks, you know, but he, he, he couldn't get in a spot where he, he wasn't going to strike you out either. So it, it would always ended up like he was in his back was against the wall in a lot of situations. All right. Uh, best overall pitching contribution. Uh, we use the, the ERA plus statistic, and this one gets a little skewed because Emmanuel class a obviously is a relief pitcher. Uh, the league average is it's, it's one of those 100 uh, stats. So uh, anything over a hundred is better than league average. And Emmanuel Class A, uh, his ERA plus was 340. Uh, wow. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, he he led uh, he he led all relievers in um, I, I believe ERA. Uh, he was he was up there. Yeah, one two nine. I think he had a one two nine. You know, very impressive. But uh, you know, more realistic uh, stats and, and still very good. Cal Quantrill, a one fifty two ERA plus. Shane Bieber even though he, you know, made half as many starts as he, he normally would, uh, a 139 ERA plus. And Brian Shaw, his overall contribution to this pitching staff, a 126 ERA plus. Uh, pretty impressive uh, for, you know, Shaw, who's sort of on his, his sort of third life in, in the major leagues. I mean, he pitched in half of the Indians' 162 games. I hate that. That's got to factor into it. I, it sure it does. Yeah. And I, I mean, and you, you kind of put yourself on the line too. If you're going to pitch that many times, you know, you better be good or you're, or you're not going to pitch that many times. They're going to, you're going to be put in the corner of the bullpen. All right. Well, uh, you know, that just sort of goes over, uh, you know, some of these different categories, uh, stat categories and, and uh, different awards. It's not like, it's not like the Oscars. We didn't have like a red carpet uh, <laughs> uh, review here, but, and, you know, nobody gets a trophy or, or even a, a certificate, maybe a gold star uh, somewhere down the line. Well, Hoinsey, there's uh, no game tonight. Uh, there will be a game five tomorrow night in San Francisco. Uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, and, and anything that's, you know, game five between those two teams, got to be a pretty interesting situation. I'm sure it's what the, uh, the league was hoping for uh, in terms of the, the matchup there. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll get set to, to sort of wrap that up here uh, on tomorrow's podcast. 
Yeah, that should be fun. Game five with a trip to the ALCS at stake. So we'll see how that works out with the Dodgers and say, say, oh, the NLCS. NLCS. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, game five with the NLCS, you know, with a trip to the NLCS at stake. We'll see how that works out with the Dodgers and Giants. All right. We'll catch you tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. 